God, we thank you for this passage, and we pray that you would help us to understand what it means, what it un- what it meant uh, 2,000 years ago, and what it means for us today. Help us to bridge that gap. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. At some point in 2019, some people got sick. They got sick with the virus that we now call COVID-19. Now, I don't know exactly when in 2019 that happened. I don't know how many people got sick. I'm sure at the very beginning it was a very small number. Uh, I don't know how sick they were either. Uh, Maybe they had mild symptoms. Maybe they had severe symptoms. Maybe they had no symptoms at all. We don't really know all of those details. But what I'm pretty sure is if we could somehow go back and talk to that first group of people that were infected by COVID-19, that there is no way that they could have imagined what would happen from that virus. They would never have imagined that the world would come to a standstill because of this one tiny virus. Think about all of the changes that have happened in a relatively short period of time in every area of our life. Uh, Everything from going to the grocery store to coming to church is absolutely different. Uh, That we have to wear masks indoors wherever we are if we're in a public space. That when we come to church that we uh, can't shake each other's hands. We can't even uh, sing out loud. And worst of all, we can't have a potluck. This is terrible. How could things have changed so much? Uh, Think about what schools are like as... uh, First of all, the fact that there would be a six-month-long March break, like that is every parent's nightmare, and yet it actually happened. And now the children are are back to to school, but everything looks different. And college and university students, their studies look different as well. Many international students have had to stay in their home country, even though they're studying at a Christian or at a Canadian university, because everything is being done online. So much has changed in a very short period of time. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, it is relevant to us because this is the life that we're living right now, where everything has changed. But I think that there's something else for us to look at here. I want to see how this fits with the Christian faith. Now, what many people have done is try to explain the pandemic by the Bible as if uh, we can find out little clues about how God has used plagues and and so on in the past. But I'm actually going to do something different. I want to use the pandemic to help explain the Bible and a specific uh, aspect of the Bible. And I want to ask you, and this is uh, just a rhetorical question, so you don't have to answer, but the question is, what is the central message of Jesus? What is it that Jesus preached? Uh, Some people might say, well, the the central message of Christianity is the cross. That's what it's all about. And, of course, Jesus did talk about the cross. He did predict his crucifixion. Uh, So that was there. But that wasn't really the main focus of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, If you go through the Gospels, you will see that over and over again, Jesus is preaching about the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, in churches, we don't talk enough about the kingdom of God. Many people are not even sure what the kingdom of God is. Is the kingdom of God uh, heaven? Is the kingdom of God what happens when uh, Jesus returns? 
And the answer is yes to both of those, but it's more than that. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is God entering into our midst. And in many ways, there is a parallel between how the kingdom of God spreads on earth and what we see with a virus and a pandemic, how it starts from something pretty small, pretty unassuming, and yet is able to transform the world. That's what we've seen with COVID-19. And that's exactly what the kingdom of God was like. It came in small ways that people couldn't have predicted. There's no way that people would have imagined, even by midway through the first century, what would happen through the world or to the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ, how the kingdom of God would spread. So that's what we're going to take a look at as we look at this passage. Now, uh, what we've seen so far in Acts, we've seen that uh, Jesus uh, was about to leave earth after having spent 40 days on earth after his resurrection, and then he leaves to go back to heaven. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. The church is born. Uh, they begin to, to preach the gospel. People are coming to faith in Jesus. People are being baptized. So the church is doing its thing. And then we have, in this chapter, Peter and John walking along. They're going to the temple to pray. And so we see that prayer was an important part of what they did. And they encounter a man who is unable to walk, a, a beggar who has a disability. And the reason he was here was just like today, if you're going to get money from people, you need to go to high traffic places. And uh, we see that uh, uh, every day uh, where people know where other people are going to be. Uh, that's why uh, beggars today will often uh, go to where uh, people are getting off of the highway and they're, they're, they need to stop at a red light and they can stand there and hopefully get some money. And so that's why this man was here. He knew that many people would come to the temple to pray and he was more likely to get some money there than he was anywhere else. And so there he is and he encounters Peter and John and he looks at them and he's thinking, well, I'm really hoping that I'm going to get something from these two guys. And he does get something from them, but it's not what he expected. He was hoping for some cash, and he didn't get cash, but he did get something. Peter and John uh, look at him, and uh, Peter uh, commands him to get up, and he is healed in Jesus' name. And that is an incredible thing. And I, I love the imagery that is used here, because it's not like he just kind of... Uh, got up slowly. It's, it seems as if he, he jumps up. And imagine, it's, it says here that he has never been able to walk, that he has been disabled from birth, and yet he is able to, to uh, jump up and to praise and dance, and that, and that he's holding on to Peter. I love that too. What a great image that is going on here. But the question I want to ask is, why did Peter heal this man. What? Why did this healing take place? What is going on here? Is it because the role of the church is to bring physical healing to everyone we encounter? And if that's the case, why do we have people with disabilities in our churches? Why don't we just tell them, in Jesus' name, get up, and then everyone is healed? Uh, in fact, there are some Christians who think that. We had had friends 
who contacted us after they found out that our children had autism and they were frustrated with us. They said, why do you have children with autism? Why not just tell them to be healed in Jesus' name and then you're done with it and then they're healed and you don't have to deal with autism anymore. And uh, that is not the case at all. So we have to ask, why was this man healed? Was it simply because God doesn't want anyone to have a disability? Well, what is happening here with Peter and John is meant for us to look back to the work of Jesus, that Jesus was doing something very similar to this. And what this healing is, especially at this point in the story, is meant to do is to connect the ministry of the church with the ministry of Jesus. And so we see in the Gospels that Jesus is healing people. But again, why is Jesus healing people? Is it because God never wants anyone to be sick? Uh, I have known that, uh, people who have said that, that that is uh, the case, that uh, God never wants anyone to be sick, and so he will heal anyone who asks. And yet that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, so what was going on here? Well, Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God, and those healings were meant to be signs that the kingdom was coming. That's what Jesus was doing. Uh, I am a a student of military history, and uh, having studied uh, battles, what happens when there's a big battle that's about to happen, usually there's a big bombardment at the beginning to sort of soften up the enemy before the invasion begins. And in many ways, that's kind of like what was going on with these a massive number of healings that were taking place, these signs to say, hold on, the, the world needs to sit up and take notice that God is here, God is invading the earth, and he's coming in power. Because think about it, each of these people that Jesus healed, what happened to them eventually? Eventually, they got sick. Eventually, they died. The purpose of these healings was not so that no one would ever be sick or no one would ever have a disability. The point was to show that God was active in the world. And this healing that Peter and John are performing is doing the same thing, saying that the work that Jesus began in his ministry, that's not over. The kingdom of God is still coming. Yes, the, the cross and the resurrection were a major part of the coming of the kingdom, but the work is still being done. And this was a clear sign that this was about the kingdom of God. Now, how do I know this? As we continue in this chapter, what happens after the healing? Peter calls the people to repent, to come back to God, to allow God to reign in their lives. That's kingdom imagery. And then he, uh, he finishes it off by reminding them that Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, he is going to bring the kingdom in its fulfillment. All the things right now that are rebellion against God, that will come to an end when Jesus returns. This chapter is all about the kingdom of God. So we, what we see in this chapter is there's continuity between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the early church. What I want to suggest is there is also continuity between the ministry of the early church and the ministry of the modern church. So we have to ask, what does that look like? We have the same mission as the early church, which is to spread the kingdom of God. But what does that look like? 
So I want to challenge you by saying, imagine we were in this position, that we encounter a man very much like uh, John and Peter encountered, a man who is not able to walk, a man who is very poor and is relying upon the charity of others. We encounter this man, what do we do? Now, we may suggest, as some Christians, that this passage is telling us, well, simple. We just uh, command him to be healed in Jesus' name, that what God needs him to do is to be healed. The problem with that is, I've been doing a lot of research in uh, the area of disabilities, and I've been interviewing for my uh, doctor ministry thesis a lot of people with disabilities, and over and over again, the negative experience that they've had in church is when well-meaning uh, Christians, I'm going to give them the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, benefit of the doubt that they're well-meaning, that they have insisted on trying to heal these people even though they didn't want to. And I have heard horror stories. I heard about one person who was called up in front of 2,000 people at a big event because they saw her in a wheelchair and they, the speaker wanted to heal her and so uh, tried to get her healed. And when she wasn't healed, he publicly rebuked her for not having enough faith to be healed. So he made her feel uncomfortable by going up. She didn't even want to be healed. And when she wasn't healed, he gave her trouble. That kind of stuff happens today. Someone in this very congregation actually uh, came up to me and thanked me that one of the ways that they felt welcome in this church is that we have never insisted on healing them of their disability. Now, that's not to say that we don't believe in healings. Uh, there are times for healings. Even someone like Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, she does not seek healing for her paralysis, but when she has had uh, cancer, she has asked for prayers for healing in that case. Uh, she is comfortable with her disability. She's content with that. But of course, when she has severe pain, she asks for prayers for relief from that pain. We believe in healing. But even Jesus in his ministry didn't always assume that a person with a disability wanted a healing. Sometimes he would actually say to them, uh, what is it that you want? He didn't assume that they needed to be healed of their disability. So what do we do? We encounter this man who is begging He's got a disability. What are we going to do? Well, we could simply hand over some cash, uh, but that's something that anybody could do. What would be a kingdom response? A kingdom response may be to invite the person into our home. Uh, the kingdom response may be to sit down and listen to uh, his experiences, to find out what, what has happened in his life. Uh, what are the things that he enjoys? What are the things that really bother him? Uh, how are his friends and family? Uh, the, the kingdom response may be to, to be a, a gentle and positive witness for Jesus, not to uh, condemn someone or to judge someone, but just to, to sit down and, and to try to be the example of Christ there. There are many ways that we could respond to such a situation. We are right now in still in the midst of a pandemic uh, worldwide. What does it mean for us as a church to build the kingdom in this world? What does that look like? Uh, a lot of uh, people outside of the church are looking at churches and saying, well, you know, churches are going to be struggling right now. 
they're going to have less people coming out. There's going to be less people giving money. Uh, churches that are going to be struggling. They are, met, they are imagining that churches are just going to be barely able to survive. And yet our mission is not to just barely survive. Our mission is to build the kingdom. So how do we build a kingdom in a COVID-19 world? That's the thing that we have to figure out. We need to challenge ourselves, both as individuals and as a congregation, to figure out what does that look like. Our goal is to build the kingdom. Uh, the the um, title I gave to the sermon, because I don't believe in overdramatic sermon titles, uh, I came up with the title, uh, uh, Blowing the World to Kingdom Come. And uh, that's what we need to do. We need to blow this world to kingdom come. Not to mean we want the world to explode, but we want kingdom come. We want uh, God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want to have happen. And so we need to look at how that takes place. 2,000 years ago, people were watching the church. Jesus was no longer with them. Would the church 2,000 years ago survive without Jesus as their leader? They had Peter as their leader. And we know how much Peter messed up. Was there any way that this church was going to survive? People were watching, expecting it to fall. And yet there were signs, signs that the church was going to continue. People are watching us today. They're trying to figure out, what is the church, the Christian church, going to be like? How is it going to survive? How is Queen Street Baptist Church going to survive in a COVID-19 world? Are we going to be able to make it through the difficult times that we are facing? We have the same mission that John and Peter had, the same mission that Jesus had, and that was for the kingdom to come, to build God's kingdom in the world around us to spread the reign of God, to bring people and situations under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That little virus, COVID-19, starting with just a few people, has transformed our world. We have seen more change, not just in the church, but in the world in just a year, in just six months, than we have that we could possibly have imagined. It has changed so much. But we have something more powerful than COVID-19. We have the kingdom of God, God's invasion of planet Earth. And we are a part of that invading army. And we need to spread the kingdom, to see God's kingdom come on Earth. Amen. Normally, I... I uh, conclude my sermon with a prayer, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we respond to God's word by praying the Lord's Prayer. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.